0: This is the Welcome to Perth Podcast, showcasing the stories behind our events, entertainment, and lifestyle. These are the stories of how they came to be and what the future has in coming.
1: Hello, viewers and listeners to the next episode of Welcome to Perth catchups. Today I have with me Ben Keem, or also known as Coach Keem. Uh, he's, uh, a great person I've met, um, in my journey, uh, at the, at Anarchy Gym. Uh, now Ben's traveled around, um, he's been a bit of a nomad, uh, which is a, a very cool story. Um, we've spoke over coffee before, so I thought it'd be great to get you on the podcast, uh, mate, but, it, um, to give everyone else a bit of a summary, uh, Ben's, uh, you know, he's a mindset, health coach, um, and a very good boxing coach as well. Um, what other sort of, um, things um have you done in the past benny work wise
0: yeah Yeah, so work wise i mean i've been in the health and fitness industry now for this is my 10th year of being in the industry so working with people in regards to getting their nutrition right for their goals strength training boxing coaching um, and some mindset work as well but yeah the health and fitness industry is pretty much all i've known from the age of 18 mate
1: yeah. Love it, and now going all the way back. Where, where did where did you grow up, Benny?
0: So I grew up in the beautiful island of Tasmania. So I grew up in the north of Tasmania in a little town called Launceston. Yeah, little cold little spot there. Um, but yeah, had a, had a beautiful upbringing in in Tasmania. Um, but yeah, left left Tasmania at the age of eighteen, where I moved to to the Gold Coast from there.
1: Over to the Gold Coast, mm. and. Um, just back to growing up. So, you got mum and dad, um, any brothers and sisters?
0: Yeah, so I had, a, I had a very, very privileged upbringing. I had a beautiful mum and dad who have been married for many years, still together now. So, I uh, grew up in a really nice, stable household with one brother who's four years older than me. He currently lives in Melbourne. He's uh, gone down the university route studying uh, anthropology. So awesome. we're quite quite different yeah. in terms of our our paths, our life paths but
1: interesting yeah. um, dinner discussions, I dare say. yeah, that.
0: very interesting dinner discussions. so we don't see each other that often just due to geographical mm. location but when we catch up, we all get along very very well so very blessed in that regards
1: love it and so what was the decision uh why did you decide to move
0: yeah so Tasmania is obviously quite a small island and especially in Launceston where I grew up quite a small island so opportunity in terms of especially in the health and fitness industry was quite small there was like one or two major gyms in my hometown growing up um, and my mentor at the time, Corey Baldock, who helped me go through my certificate three and four in fitness, advised to me, you know, he said, when you get your, your certificates, look, I, I could hire you you could be a coach in Tasmania, but it's a very small pool of people to work with and your growth is going to be stunted. So he, he highly recommended that I go to Queensland. He did his course and a lot of work up in Brisbane around that and Queensland, Gold Coast area himself. He said, take the risk and go while you're young and you haven't got a lot to lose to go and grow as a coach and have some new life experiences, and I trusted him so much back then, being a um, a really good mentor of mine, that I was like, all right, why not? I got I got nothing to lose, um, so yeah, I took I took the risk and and moved to the Gold Coast. Within about six months after that conversation with him, and um, I packed up my car, packed up all my belongings. I had my certificate three and four was actually coming in the mail as I was driving. <laughs> I got on the Spirit of Tasmania, got off in Melbourne. I was driving to the Gold Coast. I hadn't actually physically got my certificate three and four yet, but I just knew that I wanted to be a personal trainer working in the health and fitness industry. I had no job, no friends. I was living in uni accommodation because I applied. I lied on my application, said I was studying, you know, studying, well, to, you be, were, you studying, studying. to be a personal trainer. <laughs> um, and they accepted me, so I was living in uni accommodation, which was quite funny.
1: Yeah. Um. I was well, probably good to be around, you know same age and like-minded individuals
0: 100 percent. yeah exactly met some really great people um lots of international students and that there so it was a really good time but when I got there I just started applying for jobs I applied for about five different jobs at various different personal training studios and gyms and um, I was fortunate enough to get offered I think three jobs out of the five and I was you know fortunate enough to choose the one that I thought would be the best fitting for me and that was more of a holistic health studio um, which was quite uh, a unique sort of facility and um, mindset around health and fitness sort of opened up my eyes to a really different way of um, thinking about health and fitness rather than just, you know, your standard strength training or cardio. And it was kind of a different sort of environment, which was really, really cool. From
1: a sleep and nutrition. Yeah, exactly. Yoga, those those types of
0: Exactly. You know, I mean, we did like lots of um, seminars. Like, I, I think his name was Scott Harris off the top of my head, who's one of Anthony Robbins' sort of right yep. hand mans. And we went to do like a, a board breaking seminar and, um, you know, just seeing a different way of sort of thinking and living and thinking about health from a holistic point of view and a mental health point of view rather than just a physical body composition point of view, which is sort of what most people think about when they think health and fitness. I think yep. building muscle, losing fat, getting fitter, getting stronger, which is great which is awesome which is a large part of it but seeing it from a different perspective seeing people break through trauma break through you know different emotions that they're going through at 18 years old coming from tassie was just like a really big eye-opener to wow mm. this um this industry is far bigger and far greater than than i originally anticipated mm. and rubbing shoulders with with people who um living really unique lives and not living that sort of generic um, nine to five corporate university rat race type type of of work, which was so new to me to see that and and think about living and working in line with those sort of values. So it was a great experience to have at a young age.
1: Love it. And then, so how long did you stay there for?
0: So I stayed in the Gold Coast for just under 12 months because I just sort of grew as much as I could in this very small sort of holistic studio environment. I sort of had capped myself out in terms of how many clients I could take on and help and I just didn't find that the Gold Coast environment itself was conducive to where I wanted to go as a a person and and as a trainer and as a coach so I actually had a bit of an epiphany one day where I sort of woke up and just decided that this wasn't this environment wasn't for me you know I was working with great people and loving the the job just didn't feel comfortable on the Gold Coast so I made a decision to move to Melbourne. Um, within a few weeks, applied for a job and got a job working at Good Life, a big box gym. I wanted to go from that small holistic health studio environment to a big, bigger corporate gym. You I Yeah, when... see the
1: differences and see what else you can learn.
0: Exactly, exactly. I think when you become a PT, you want vision, envision being in a big gym with all the weights and all the fancy gear. And, and um, that's what I want to have a crack at. And also, I'd be running my own business within this gym rather than working for somebody else. So, I took that risk and, and drove down to, to Melbourne.
1: Love it and packed up your stuff and had to start again with a whole new friendship group, and yeah, which is pretty daunting. Most people uh, wouldn't do that. Most people, once they get comfortable and they've got their friendship groups, they sort of want to, you know, stick stick put so um brave to then pull the trigger again um after you'd just made a, a new friendship group so how mm. was it um moving into into that melbourne life
0: yeah again it was it was another big challenge and in hindsight now now looking back i really thrive on change and thrive on putting myself in uncomfortable environments that's probably been my true recipe for personal growth um but at that time it was just a matter of i don't like it here i just want to move i didn't think of it as as creating change but um, I just knew the health and fitness industry was really strong in Melbourne. Um, I had a couple of mates there because obviously Tasmania is very yep. close to Melbourne. A lot of Tasmanians moved to to Melbourne. Um, and I had my aunties live there. So I had two aunties that lived there. So um, I was fortunate enough that my aunties were putting me up at their house. So I slept in their garage for a couple of months. So they had a spare bed out in the garage, concrete floor in winter in Melbourne. It was, um, it was pretty tough, <laughs> but... That's uh that was the best option at the time. I just did it. Made I it just work. did it. Yeah. I made it work and it was, it was hard. It was very tough, man. I had little little money little savings at that age as you do and luckily I had my auntie supporting me helping me out with some food and the basic necessities while I was setting up my business trying to get work out what a tax file number was and my ABN and business logos and all this stuff at 19 years old I was like wow I may have bitten off a little bit more than true here um, but I just had a dream and a passion and I knew that industry was where I wanted to be so you just make it work and it was tough I remember the gym was in Port Melbourne beautiful suburb of, of Victoria right on the, the water there where the spirit of Tasmania actually docks. You yep. could actually see it from the from the gym windows. Beautiful gym, big box gym, good life gym. I thought I'd made it, but my auntie was living in Essendon and I don't think I had very good transport at the time. I think it was really ch- – there's no like parking around my gym. So I remember getting up at like four in the morning to catch the train all the way into the gym, to be at the gym, to open up the gym at like quarter past five. I had to do the – like when you first started this gym, you're basically like, a first year apprentice, so to speak. You have to do your floor, your gym floor shifts. You have to clean up the gym, yep. put the treadmills down, wipe down the equipment, uh, write programs for beginners to sort of. Because I think they give like a rent free period that you have to sort of work for them until yep. you get through that three month period. Then you can go off and do your own thing. So it was really long days. You know, I was in that gym 10, 10 to fifteen hours a day, yep. um, building my own business. You know, I went from the Gold Coast where they sort of handball your clients to now work it out for yourself, mate. Yep. Twenty other trainers. I think I was paying three hundred dollars a week rent to work in that gym um
1: was it a trainer stealing people off each other is it is quite it, competitive it's
0: very competitive anyone that's listening that works has worked at a big box gym will will know exactly what i'm talking about in terms there's a lot of animosity between trainers and stealing clients and what are you charging what are they charging and fortunately enough i made close friends with a, with a handful of the trainers and we were able to work together and run some like classes together but there was definitely some trainers there that were all there for themselves yeah, and a few, lone few lone wolves a hundred percent but um it was really hard but i just remember just offering as many free sessions as i could to everyone just i'd be walking the gym floor all day talking to every member that came in it was just important to me they all knew who i was knew my mm-hmm. face and and knew me as a friendly approachable character i suppose um, and it was, it was tough man. It's
1: like cold calling, isn't it? Door knocking. It's, it's, you know, that's, hundred percent. Yeah. It was lead, Again, put,
0: putting out lead boxes <laughs> at cafes, putting out the little lead boxes for yep. people to put their details. And then their you details.
1: rip it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah wow. I, yeah. I, um, I don't know much about, the, um, that, that industry, so I've, I've never thought of it, um, too deeply. That's, that's pretty brutal. You're, you're really cutting your teeth, aren't you? You're, you are the apprentice.
0: 100%. Yeah, people see personal training as a, as an awesome easy lifestyle. You set your own hours and you know, you work when you want and it's it's it is like that but it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're relying on clients to to pay your bills, you know. And I was I, that gym was in a wealthy suburb, so a lot of my clients could afford holidays. So, you know, 2 or 3 weeks every few months they're away so there goes your income um, it's the most unstable <laughs> job in terms of your income's always up and down mm-hmm. but yeah if you work hard you've got the ability to earn good money as well but you've got to be available from five thirty six a.m in the morning before work till eight nine ten o'clock at night after work it's split shifts trying to have a little nap in the middle of the day if you can it's a lot of giving of your energy to people and programming and a lot of back end work to make your sessions run properly and then
1: and people feed off your motivation don't they so you you have to try to get yourself up for every session um which in a lot of jobs you don't have to do that you don't have to be on all the time um otherwise they can feel it off you in in, in, and um so that must be it must be quite tiring when you're doing back to back to back sessions
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Especially if you're, yeah, if you're a bit tired and you've got four or five sessions back to back in a row. Um, yeah. There's a lot of deep breaths and like, yeah. you know, you got this in between, you know, in between clients and um, yeah, just keeping that positive energy going. Mm-hmm. It's it's very taxing. A lot of trainers, unfortunately, do burn out. And I think um, the, the time in the industry of trainers from when they start to when they finish, I don't know the exact stats, but it's very, very low. Very, very low. The amount of trainers that get a job in the personal training industry they don't last much past one two years unfortunately yeah. because it is a lot harder Come than out nothing. strong
1: want to do everything and then yeah kind of manage
0: it they love the training you know the common stories they love health and fitness they love training and they want to pass their knowledge on to others and then they don't realize the business side of it how to get clients how to sell themselves sales cash flow being a people person the amount of energy you got to give and everything so um yeah it's quite challenging but extremely rewarding if you can um been cracked through those first few years yep. definitely.
1: And so how long were you there for?
0: I was there for just 12 months. Yep. And then I got approached by another gym um to offer me a job that was a little bit more secure where they had a trainer leaving mm-hmm. and they had an existing cli- existing client base that I was going to walk straight into. Um and I was going to be on a wage rather than working for myself again I found that working for myself at 19 was awesome I love the freedom but it was all it was just very challenging so that Coming back into a secure job, secure income, and a full client base really appealed to me at that time. And the type of gym was a bit more hardcore, for lack of a better word, a bit more of a bodybuilder-orientated gym with a bit more serious clientele rather than that corporate good life um, uh, members. So that appealed to which me.
1: Will be trying to rock up for their 6 p.m., um, you know, PT with you, but all of a sudden, sorry, I've got caught up in work drinks. I'm not going to be able to make it, <laughs> <Yep>. uh, Benny. <laughs>
0: 100%. 100%. So, yeah, a little, a little bit more serious clientele. I um, had. Yeah, just the, the type of training facility and the members that um, I think, I thought at the time would suit me a bit better and, and, it, and it did over time. But um, yeah, took on that opportunity and just moved gyms into Paran, Chapel Street, which mm-hmm. most people sort of yep. are have, have familiar Pop, with. Popular strip. Very popular little strip, 24-hour gym called Muscle and Body Shape Gym and that's where I started as a, as a personal trainer there and then that's where I spent four years at that gym, working my way up, went from the personal trainer to personal trainer manager to then managing the gym for a couple of years there wow. yeah and
1: yeah. what were some what were some things you learned while you were there
0: i learned a lot had to grow up really quickly in that environment you have to grow up really quickly just as a personal trainer in general just because of the type of clientele that you that i was working with you know working with men women old young you know from all different demographics and walks of life mm. so you have to become quite a chameleon and 90 percent of this job is pe- being a people person mm. you know like there's thousands of trainers out there they're going to train with someone that they connect with before they care about how much knowledge that you've got and what results you can get them Mm. 90% of the time um, they are already expecting that you can get them results but they've got to connect to you Mm. on a deeper level if they're going to be spending an hour two three hours of their time with you every week Um, so you you, I grew up very quickly in that environment um, being able to adapt to the members and the client base there you had to grow pretty quick Um, the challenges obviously at a young age I think I was managing that gym at the age 21 22 a lot of responsibility, responsibility you know yep. managing staff and making sure that they're doing and completing the tasks that they're supposed to be doing and it's quite challenging trying to get people to do what you want them to do when they're probably 10 years your senior as well you know you grow up pretty yep. quickly you have to get pretty thick skin when you are when you're put in that environment
1: yeah mm. when they're saying no why don't you do it yeah yeah, yeah exactly um, exactly
0: right. so um yeah i i grew a lot in confidence my people skills um exponentially grew just because they had to otherwise you'd just get eaten alive in that fast-paced melbourne environment where you've got a gym owner saying you know we need to achieve x y and z and it's up to you to, to get that done so um but i thrived in that environment i, I liked the pressure i like the the challenges that um that arose with it and um yeah it was pro- that four-year period was definitely probably one of my most memorable four years in, in, in my time in the health and fitness industry so far. I really enjoyed that that experience.
1: And then from there, uh, is this when you decided it's time to maybe visit Bali? Yes. Yeah,
0: so um, I got thrown a bit of a curveball. Unfortunately, spent four years of my, my time growing that gym, making some big changes to the layout, the classes, the demographic, getting the right trainers on board. And it was quite a masculine environment, that gym. And I played a big role in trying to make it a bit more female orientated and doing some challenges and I hosted some of my own seminars and stuff in there to give it a bit of a different vibe and feel. and um, unfortunately, went on a holiday to Thailand, came back, sat down in the owner's office and he handed me a letter and said, "You've got two weeks and you've been made redundant. Your job is wow. no longer. So that was a pretty big, pretty big um, shock at the time. Mm. De- definitely didn't see that coming because we were only just negotiating new contracts for myself before I left. Um so that was a very bitter pill to swallow at that time when you'd poured 4 years of yourself into a into a space. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah it was I was a very emotional time you know I being a manager of the gym my income had sli- slightly increased so so did my cost of living my i was living in a nicer apartment and just finance a nicer car and you know so your living expenses increase i just met my now fiance at that time too so i now I've got a, a so part she
1: came into the into she was going to the gym that so you yeah to?
0: yeah so my partner b she was a member at the gym and that's and that's how we met at this gym um and then we'd been seeing each other for probably six months at the time and then yeah i was made redundant so It was pretty challenging pretty emotional time and i'm very fortunate i had a lot of great mentors and good people around me that sort of could talk me through the situation and had had a good friend of mine that um had been made redundant too and you know they just said see it as a great opportunity to to try something new and you know try not to um see it as such a negative experience and the biggest thing that really helped my mindset at that time is obviously you take it very personally Mm. you know but he's like you got to remember it's it's your job that's been made redundant not you not you as a person; it's your role, and that really helped shift my mindset to be like, "Yeah, that's right. It's not, it's, he's not not making me run because of me. Because if you checked all the, the KPIs and the growth of the gym over four years, it was fantastic. Um, obviously, some things had happened in the gym; dynamics changed. It's a family-owned business; I think they were going through their own struggles in the back end. Yeah. Um, so once I could shift my mindset to a more positive one. Um, my partner B was really fond of Bali. I think she'd been to Bali about a dozen times at this time and we'd had our first holiday as a couple there. And I remember as a bit of a throwaway comment, I said, I could live here. <laughs> and I think she held on to that.
1: While you were, while you were there on holiday? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So I had a, my first holiday well in Bali. Good work. <laughs> had my first holiday in Bali with her and she, um, having been there so many times, she, she was like my tour guide and just showed me such a great time. And I remember saying, oh, I could live here. This lifestyle is just fantastic, mm-hmm. good people. It's got a bit of a buzz, but quite relaxing. And and then, um, yeah, I got made redundant. There was a, there was a bit of a, a window of opportunity between when my house lease was finishing. I'd been made redundant. And there was a few, like the stars sort of aligned it. Maybe we should take the risk and, and, and go to Bali. And I went and had dinner with my two aunties at the time. And they were all for it, like, you should go. I think I remember my auntie sitting down being like, all right, financially how much money have you two got what do you need to do to make it happen what's the cost of living in Bali and she like n- mapped out a whole <laughs> plan for right us and she was like and I was like oh no we'll, we'll stay here for 12 more months we'll get a we'll just get a lease here and she's like the only thing that's going to change from now in 12 months time is going to be a year older and I just remember that just like hit home yeah and B was just looking at me I was looking at her while we at the dinner table going oh, crap there's, there's I can't there's nothing really stopping us and we got in the car after that conversation with my aunties, and just looked at each other and went, "We're going to do this." And I just remember when we we're just like that moment of like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it," and just having each other's back. We're just like, we're a team now, and whatever happens, we've got each other. And that was a very powerful moment. So I think we had four weeks. Sold everything. Mm-hmm. Sold the car. Sold the TV. Sold anything that we couldn't fit into like two suitcases, basically. Love it. Um, and I reckon it, a
1: lot of people have thought about moving to Bali and doing that but not many people have gone all right I'm actually going to pull the trigger so another brave moment
0: yeah it was it was um to be honest so it wasn't I don't remember being super fearful or super scared because I think one
1: because you'd already done it previously or because you had B
0: yeah I think a combination of of both man I think um having picked up my life and moved to Gold Coast and to Melbourne and, and surviving that, I think I had, a, I had a lot of confidence in myself that um, I could do it. And then I just remember just always speaking to B, being like, what's the worst thing that can happen? If it doesn't work, we come back.
1: Mm. Six months older. <laughs> you know,
0: like let, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna be that person who's 50 and looks back and goes, God, I wish I did that. I wish I took that opportunity. So when you're younger, you can you can take more risks when you don't have kids and family and you know no investments or anything holding us back so there was no real risk in it when you sort of broke it down i suppose so we had a small amount of savings big dreams and the support of of each other and that was enough to take that risk and go and we had again no friends no job lined up we couldn't even get our visas approved we tried to go to the consulate in melbourne we had all the boxes ticked to get our visas and unfortunately Bali being somewhat a little bit corrupt and a little bit hard to sort of navigate um, we didn't have the right connections to make it work but we'll just like stuff it let's just go anyway yeah. let's just take the risk and um that was that was uh, so a you re- got
1: yeah so you you got a holiday visa then you're the standard one to get over there
0: yeah just your visa on arrival and, and then
1: how, how long do you have to be before you're supposed to get out of bali yeah.
0: So the visa on arrival gives you 30 days mm-hmm. and then you go to the immigration office there, fill out some paperwork and you can get that extended for 60 days. Yep. So every two months you had to leave, which is what we did Yeah. Um, for nearly a year. Every two months, it kind of lined up. Um, B, my partner she was actually prepping for a bodybuilding competition when we moved to bali yeah so she was still trying to find scales to weigh her food and train at little local gyms and um, you know our budget was really tight because we had a small amount of savings that we we're hoping would last us until we'd somehow found work or got ourselves set up there so you know we're living very cheaply we're living in this tiny little <laughs> um, apartment behind the Krubikan prison um, which most people might know oh, of from Chappelle, Chappelle Corby. Corby. This one. I actually
1: yep. drove past that a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it's not very nice. There
1: was, uh, <laughs> I heard a story uh, while I was over there that there was someone that dug under, under, yes. the, under the wall and then out, um, at night time and is still missing
0: that's that's correct i've yeah. heard that same story yeah,
1: yeah. crazy and that was that was only recently yeah it's not like a 1960s no nah, no nah,
0: no nah.
1: because they're, they're like three times over capacity of oh, so it's, imagine there's a lot of people around so it's anyway. um
0: it's a small prison hey like mm. you can drive right mm. around the block it's it's not big at all it's, so um, you
1: so you're living living around we're now. living
0: behind it quite literally behind mm. it um,
1: no one dug into your yard, and
0: <laughs> well, funny you say that. We did have someone try and break in on us one night. Don't know if it was a prisoner or not. We also got woken up by an earthquake one night as well, which was um, which was challenging. But that wasn't as challenging as all the rats, the termites, the lizards, the I don't know what happened when we got this place. We must have had just rose-colored glasses <laughs> on because I just remember going over there and we're like, "All right, we want two bedroom for yeah. guest wants to come. We want a pool. We want." X Y Z. This place ticked all the boxes, and we got there. I don't know. We still joke about it now, like what were we thinking? <laughs> because it was horrible. The floorboards were ripped up. There was termites. There was rats in the like. We kept home. There'd be rat um, shit and piss all over our beds. Like oh no. it was a really horrible time. But like, to, to be quite honest, the first couple of months in Bali was probably the most challenging. One of the most challenging periods of my life, yeah, for sure. The the Bali dream definitely didn't come to fruition for the first couple of months. We had a pretty I think actually the first week we got there, we just stayed in the Airbnb and um, we got severe food poisoning. Mm. And um, my partner B is a very small girl, weighs about 50 kilos. So it really hit her hard. She yeah. was very severely dehydrated. And then it hit me. And I remember us just both lying in bed next to each other, just taking in turns to go to and from the bathroom, super dehydrated to the point where I was like, I actually, we actually have to go to hospital because yeah. this is going to get quite bad. So I remember like 2 a.m. in the morning, trying to like literally carrying b while i had no energy to a to a to a gojek yeah um to get to hospital so
1: for those that don't know gojek is like a it's uber but uber on on a scooter normally but yeah was there, was well a, you can get cars you can get cars, get cars but, yeah.
0: but yeah the scooters gojek's the best yeah it's, it's fantastic it's so advanced <laughs> I, well,
1: I don't know how they make money though you can get anything yeah. delivered and it's like it, it's like their margins are very tight. I guess <laughs> if they're just doing it all the time, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress. Sorry about it's, that.
0: No, it's 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 one of the best things about Barley Gojek because you can get even supermarket items, whatever you want. They'll yeah. pick it up for you, bring it to drop you, it right to drop you. things to your friends if they left something. <laughs> like it's, it's amazing. Um, Gojek massage to your house, unreal. So um, we got the got the Gojek um, car drops off, and that was that. That was the first time that we're like we're not in australia anymore yeah we're, we're in a third world country yeah. because yeah they really j- saw two westerners come into the hospital and um they were trying to charge us like a th- over a thousand dollars just for a drip and that's when we're like yeah okay this is this is this is going to be a challenge it's yeah. going to be hard here you know the medical systems um unfortunately not nearly as good as what we're used to back home and that was a real challenge so we ended up getting sorted and getting healthy and getting the pharmacy and getting the hydrolite and rehydrating and everything. But that was one moment like, oh, this is, we're quite vulnerable here. Mm. We're quite vulnerable here. You know, we're not, we're not, they're not going to look after us Mm. as much as they can look after their own here. So we found that out the hard way again, when we had a pretty severe scooter accident um, a couple of months after got rammed into the back of I went flying over the handlebars B somehow like a cat landed on her feet (laughs) over the top of me I like went face first on the other side of the road oncoming car just stopped and again we were doing the right thing just parked going to turn and we've got smashed up the back of stationary by quite a young Balinese girl and her sister they would have been 13 14 on the scooter Mm. but all the Balinese came to help them and we were in the wrong because we're westerners yeah you know so that, that was another one of those moments like you know not that we don't belong but we yeah we, we were the first time we'd experienced sort of being on the outside mm. um yeah which is quite a interesting experience for the first time you know it's quite I hard
1: imagine it also made you appreciate australia and and when you go to hospital in australia it's not even something you have to think about
0: definitely yeah absolutely so yeah there's a couple of moments like that um and then as well as trying to secure work without the appropriate visas which we just couldn't get hold of and money was starting to run out and you know there's a lot of tension on the relationship that the bali dream isn't isn't what it was supposed to be and Bees prepping for this comp and she's putting, to make, putting together her own big stage bikini because she couldn't afford to buy one and um, she's sitting in the hot humidity, putting jewels on this bikini, trying to train and it was quite challenging. That was, that was when you had to really, I had to really look inside myself and think outside the box into what I'm going to do here um, to make this dream come to reality. And fortunately, again, it's all about who you know, isn't it? And I was training at this local gym throughout the day, obviously, you know, being um, fitness being a huge part of my identity and what keeps me sane, especially in tough times. I always lean on training to yeah. make myself feel good. And, yeah, I remember being like, I just remember thinking, God, oh, this is, just isn't working. Money's running down and Gonna we're have just... have to go back. We're, yeah, and I was like, ah, this, no, I can't, I can't. I just remember thinking, I can't leave without knowing I've given it everything finished business Uh, yeah yeah. so fortunately I was training at this little local boxing gym just hitting the bag and there was this um, Australian guy there covered head to toe in tattoos quite a quite an intimidating looking guy training with the Balinese coach hitting pads and um, in the mirror I could see him watching me training and I was kind of you know All good, like whatever. But then the next day, I rocked up. He was training at the same time. He must have had a set PT time, and I must have just kept rocking up at that same time. And I kept sort of looking at, seeing him looking at me, and I'm like, oh, am I doing something wrong here? Starting to get a little bit intimidated. Is is he coming after me? Yeah. But then eventually, he just approached me and said, "Hey, mate, what are you doing here? What do you like? What do you do?" And I said, "Oh, I'm, you know, personal trainer. I actually specifically work in like as a boxing coach." And he goes, "Awesome, cool. Well, I want, I want you to train me." And I was like, okay, um, I think at the time I was just confidently like, yes, like, a, yeah. of course I can train you, um, Followed him on Instagram. Um, could see he would obviously quite well set up in Bali, had some businesses. And I was like, wow, this could be a really great opportunity. I remember going home to be like really excited. Like, wow, mm. something, some, yeah. some money yeah, too, some you, know, money you know, to bring in. Yeah. and if um, we can
1: afford, if we need to go to hospital in yeah. Bali again, we will have some.
0: And. Um, and i was like where am i going to train him i don't work at a gym here i don't know what the laws and rules are and i don't ha- i didn't have any focus pads at the time i couldn't bring any over with me i think i had my dad had posted some in the mail but the mail was taking ages <laughs> so i'm like right, oh, i just got to think on the spot and um i was like right i'll train him at a park and i went to a local i went to one of the balinese boxing coaches and said can i pay you to rent your pads off you?' <laughs> and um he was like of course yeah. no worries so i think i paid him like I don't know 10 20 bucks to borrow his pads for a couple of days and then I was just thinking right I've got one session to impress this guy yeah I'm not going to do heaps of fancy stuff I just want to show him that my boxing knowledge is really quite good and I want to show him that I can teach him a lot that was sort of my angle and I rocked up probably most nervous ever been for a session (laughs) even though I'd taken hundreds or in in my time but yeah I just broke down his technique and showed him that I could really improve his boxing and help him out and we just sort of connected to, found out that he was just a really nice guy and he's quite switched on business-minded and we just connected on a good level. And he said, awesome, so I want to train with you five days a week.
1: Awesome. <laughs> were you just like, yes.
0: And I was like, <laughs> sounds good to me. We,
1: we live to fight another day in we,
0: we, we, yeah, Exactly, we'll get through another week. Long story short, we became really close mates and he ended up building a boxing gym at his villa for me to train him out of and and, um, and all of his close mates and friends and he um, found helped just find better accommodation and had a big villa and then all of a sudden the Bali dream started to come to, to mm-hmm. fruition and B started getting some work doing some modeling for swimwear companies and other various things and um, it, it, it just yeah the Bali dream started to happen for us in the back half of our time there and we adopted like a Bali dog and going to the beach in the mornings and I was then you know quite busy coaching boxing and um, it all started, yeah. It all started to come to come together, which was amazing.
1: And it's the beauty about podcasts and these sort of, I guess, long versions of of chats is you get to hear about the stories, um, you know, that first part of barley. Whereas, you know, on Instagram, um, that's not the things that people normally post about. And so, everyone just watches. Oh, yeah, Ben's just gone and killed it again. How yeah. lucky is he? Just things just seem to fall in his lap. Um, but, you know. A lot of people don't realize you know when you've got to i guess um, uproot your whole life that you've got to go through those those tough times to then f- you know find um, find those good moments and find the barley dream and that doesn't doesn't just come to you.
0: hundred percent man, yeah you've got to be willing to eat shit for lack of a better saying. You have to. Every time I've moved, I've I've eaten shit. Every time I've moved, the first few months have been always really challenging, especially in the nature of my work. It's client-facing. So every time I move, I have to find and establish myself with a whole new client Mm. base, which um, fortunately now with doing it five times, got a bit of experience, got a bit of experience experience behind it. But um, yeah, the the, the Bali dream didn't come without a lot of challenges and um, the challenges that I went through with B, You know, on a bit of a side note, really forged our relationship as well. Mm. Um, You know, getting through that and coming out the other side. There was many downs. There was a lot of emotions. There was many times I broke down and cried and thought that you know I wanted to you know give us both that barley dream, and I just didn't think it was going to work at some point. And um, it was really challenging on our, on myself and on our relationship. But when you can get through that with another person, it forges a all new, a different. Relationship and bond with somebody else that then gave us the confidence to go from Bali, move back to Tassie, and then now move to Perth. Just knowing that we can do it, and we've been through the lowest of lows and and the highs, and um, it's pretty special when you can go through that with someone that you care about. So I
1: love it. And mm. uh, and on that on your relationship, a uh, a proposal recently happened on a beautiful West Coast beach.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we've been together for nearly five years, and um we haven't we have we made the decision not to live the normal i think what probably society would portray the normal sort of relationship um and goals and dreams we've lived quite a a unique life i suppose together having moved to bali and moved to tassie and we're both entrepreneurial both run our own businesses and we're really big believers on um, living a life based on our terms and being in control of our time and the people we spend it with and how we make our money and the amount of money that we can make. Um, so we've been through a lot of challenges together. And once you can, once you go through all those challenges of running businesses together and moving to different countries and different states, um, it was for me. It was not a matter of if I was going to marry this person. It was a matter of when and getting the and getting the timing right. And um, for me, I just wanted it to be the energy to be right. Um, the day to be right and just the moment to be right. I didn't need to be fancy, and I didn't need a helicopter flying over from somewhere and all that. I wanted it to be quite uniquely us, and um, a big part of our relationship is being outside in nature. That's why I feel extremely comfortable being here right now. Um, and sunsets was a big part of our lifestyle in Bali, mm. as you know. Every night you got that beautiful sunset, and it's a big reason as to why we moved to Perth. We got the beautiful, you know, west-facing sunset every night, and we have this. Um, little spot at City Beach our favorite beach we first ever came to Perth we came to City Beach and I just remember being like this is this is it this is where we need to be Um, and there's this little um, up on the sand dunes there's a little secluded sort of sandy area that we used to go and put a rug down and and watch the sunset together and um, on Christmas Eve just gone we had a beautiful day um, preparing for a bit of a Christmas Day lunch with our friends, and the energy was right. We're playing music, the mood was good, and I was like, "Today's today's There's the, the day, the moment." The energy was right, the vibe was right, and um, happened to be a beautiful sunset down at City Beach, and that's where where it happened. to ask the the question, so yeah, it love was... it.
1: And she um, she didn't hesitate at all, did she? she was, it was it was quite a confident yes.
0: She kind of she kind of nearly ruined the moment, actually, to be honest, <laughs> because um, you know I. She had actually chosen her ring. She B's quite particular in terms of what she wanted. She didn't want a new ring. She wanted an antique ring. She wanted a ring that had a bit of a story behind it. And she didn't necessarily want diamonds. So she wanted like some sapphires or some coloured rings. So she she had picked her ring. So she she knew like that's Four or five months ago, she had picked the ring. So yeah. she, knew, yeah. it she coming, knew it was coming. She knew it was
1: coming at some point.
0: She knew it was coming at some point. Like, yeah, b's not the type of person I could just go and buy a ring on my own <laughs> without her advice. Surprise. It just, yeah, it just wouldn't probably go down well. So she knew it was coming. Um, and just before we we're about to go down to the beach, she actually said, I hope you're not going to ask me a question today. And I was just like,
1: <laughs> Did you have the ring in the pocket at that yeah, point? Yep. Oh, no. And I was like, <laughs>
0: right mm. I'm like no no I wouldn't do that because um because she wasn't all glammed up yeah, you know yeah. she the wasn't yeah, was yeah, yeah that's yeah, right yeah, yeah. you know she wanted to be looking <laughs> the part and I think she could probably tell in my face and disappointment that some, the question was going to yeah, be asked yeah, so yeah. she then went and put on a, a nicer top <laughs> and that however I did got down, it
1: did a little bit more yeah, yeah that's yeah. right
0: however I was quite smart about the whole process is because when she went and got the ring fitted they gave her a little business card with the dimensions and that to give to me, so uh, I can go in there and buy like, this is the one. you know she really helped me out with I that like process, that. you know so
1: but much better when i when I um proposed to my um, partner uh I was trying to measure up her <laughs> her ring finger with my pinky finger. I'm like, oh yeah, just as I was holding her hand like that looks about right. I got it so off that like. When I put it on, it just like slid, slid straight off. Oh. So I was I was like nowhere near it. Um, so we had to go get that refitted. So yeah. well, well done by yeah. B. Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah. She uh, she was a team player in that process. But um, what I did is obviously when I went and got the ring, I remember getting the ring and leaving and going, oh no, no, go back and get the card off the guy. So I brought the card down, and then I put it back in our little like um bits and bobs bowl, key yeah. bowl, yeah. and put it there. So that she wouldn't she, think. She could that it, yeah, it was yeah. still there, okay. Yeah. yeah, and she and she afterwards she was like, I kept seeing her there going, God, when's this guy gonna go? <laughs> when's and he thing? gonna do it? And, get it. and I'd also <laughs> hidden uh, the ring in my underwear so that it wasn't in my pockets. Yep. because so it threw had, her off.
1: Had some had some tight shorts on, did you? Some, I, had some, some some nice I had some nice linen
0: shorts. I had some nice linen shorts, you know, I wanted to I wanted to look the part for the moment. But um because they're quite baggy, you just easily see Easy what was set. in my yep, pocket. Yep. Um, and that threw her off because she was looking and then she she couldn't see anything so although she kind of knew she didn't at the same time yeah and um going
1: have I just gone and spent 20 minutes getting myself ready and he's not even gonna ask yeah 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 (laughs) Um, she said you better not ask me
0: (laughs) so Um, I was kind of a bit like oh she doesn't want me to ask her but then she will change the tune and freshened up and um and then yeah it it was the moment was beautiful perfect perfect sunset she was um, she was surprised in the moment and um, yeah, it was, it was special, Love very, it, very special. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And so you're back to Tasmania shortly to do your engagement. Um, you were going to be going back for Christmas, but because of the borders, you haven't seen family for a while. So back to celebrate with everyone?
0: Yeah. So it'll be, be about 16 months since I'd seen my family and friends. So pretty special moment. I haven't seen them since the engagement. So it'll be nice to head back next week to have our engagement at my parents' property there and celebrate um, not only engagement, but just... Having not seen them all for so yeah. long too, you know, yeah. I haven't seen my my. Um, hopefully, they'll say yes and be my groomsmen. I haven't seen them for over two and a half years, you know, mm-hmm. so it'll be um it'll be a really special moment to go back and
1: it, reconnect. Man. Yeah. And now, ten years time, what's um what's Ben Keen doing?
0: That's a really tough question to answer because um, when I was younger, I always had a had a plan and a vision of where I wanted to be. Um, as I've gotten older and realised that things take more time and you know when you're younger you think that everything's going to happen tomorrow and you want things now and um, you know I achieved I achieved a relatively good level of success at a young age being a manager of a gym I thought I'll be a manager of a gym and a gym owner by 25 but then having experienced that and realizing it wasn't all that sort of um, I'd envisioned it to be um, my mindset changed I'm more of a more of a day-by-day sort of operator I sort of really just focus on every day showing up, being the best version of myself. I have a checklist and I focus on just making sure that my trajectory is heading in the right way, but I don't have a really clear, exact plan on what that's gonna look like in 10 years. I feel like if you just show up every day, you have your um, bearing set in the right direction, you're on the right course, the right opportunities will present themselves mm-hmm. um, to you. And that seems to have worked for me over the last sort of five or six years. Um, if I keep a good positive mindset, keep showing up as the best version of myself every day. Keep following my sort of my values of surrounding myself with good people, you know, meeting like yourself and the catch ups we've had. People like yourself inspire me. And that might change my path a little bit. And that's okay as long as I'm heading in the right direction. But I don't have such a fixed mindset anymore. I think that sort of used to pigeonhole me into just go down here and don't worry about and anything else. You
1: can't else. be agile if, if opportunities do pop up that you hadn't thought of before.
0: Well, COVID's shown us that, mm. that that you've got to be willing to to pivot. You've got to be willing to to make change your course. So, to answer your question, I don't have a real set plan on where exactly I want to be in ten years. However, I do foresee myself being in the health and fitness industry for for the foreseeable future, mm. probably for the rest of my life. What it, what that might look like is something I'm still navigating through now. Whether that be um, more in the online space or more in the a physical location of a gym or health and fitness retreats or or a combination of, of all of the above. Um, I'm still working through that now but I do know I have a strong passion uh, for helping people and my purpose is helping people to um, be the best versions of themselves through those different sort of modalities of boxing or strength training, nutrition or some mindset work in the form of you know, journaling and gratitude and breath work are things that I'm really passionate about that I've seen have a profound positive impact on my life and then having them been able to coach some of these um, things with my clients, seeing it positively impact them. I'd like to definitely um, combine all of my skills and knowledges to put it into future endeavours, whatever that might be.
1: Yeah, I love it. What uh, a—that's probably the best answer I've uh, I've ever heard from. Where, where where do you want to be, or where will you be in you know five or ten or or twenty years' time? Mm. Um, Yeah, couldn't agree anymore, mate. Um, And you know, your mindset um, work that you do with um, clients—I've seen it is fantastic. And um, and yeah, the messaging I think is is profound with um, yeah being vulnerable and and Mm. you know. um, not just doing things because you you feel the peer pressure to do so, or because yeah. of other people are you know they're doing this, so now you know you need to catch up and and try to do that. Um, you've got to got to do things at your own pace and do things your own way, because um, otherwise you will end up like you said at that, as mm. that fifty year old and go. I wonder if wonder what would happen if I had a you know just said stuff that we're going to sell everything and and go to Bali yeah. or you know sliding door moments after. The scooter crash, and you know what? This is not for us. We're yeah. we're um, it's it's too hard. We're we're going to go back and and uh, you know, go back to back to life in Melbourne, and, and maybe you wouldn't have been at such a, I don't know, I feel like you're at a really young age at a very content phase of life, mm. which is pretty rare.
0: Yeah, yeah, and no, I'm I'm very grateful to uh have met some really amazing people on my journey. I think that's one of the my my recipes for growth, as I mentioned, has been changed because every time I change my environment specifically you're forced to learn a lot about yourself when your back's against the wall so to speak and you've got to build your business up from scratch and you're forced to make new relationships and connections with people um, and the people I surround myself with is crucial to my development as, as a person and uh, fortunately every time I've moved I've met some amazing people along that journey that have, have been older than me and I've been able to learn from their mistakes probably mm. more so yep, and, yep. and what they do well and then forge my own sort of path based off that. Um, so I'm very lucky to have some great mentors in my life that help support me. It definitely hasn't been a journey that I've done on my own. I've had great people around me um, to get to this point now. But as you said before, that's something I'm extremely passionate about is, is vulnerability mm-hmm. and embracing your imperfections and especially um, very passionate about that space in men's mental health And that's where the boxing is something that I'm extremely passionate about too, because obviously boxing does attract more men and it definitely attracts more men who are looking for self-improvement, confidence. people that men that want to do that inner work. I feel like boxing is something that draws them into the door, in the door, um, thinking they're going to get this great workout. But I've seen boxing give back to men in so much more than just a skill or fitness um it it i've been able to create a bit of a space within the boxing ring and world to enable men to feel comfortable to open up and be vulnerable and talk about their feelings talk about their emotions and um i've single-handedly seen boxing change men's life completely in front of my eyes because it gives them that confidence gives them the endorphins and the happy hormones that exercise gives them and then if I can create a bit of a safe space to hold for them to open up and talk about things that they're going through and I'm not a mental health expert or psychologist at all but um, I'm always that guy that's happy to have that challenge ask the challenging questions Mm -hmm. um, and be a set of ears to to listen without judgment Um, and I think that's really important for, for everyone in life to have a space like that that they can do that whether that be with a psychologist which I'd highly recommend anyone who is struggling with some things um, to speak to or it might be a friend or in my case a lot of people feel comfortable to speak to me about it because I'm not a family member I'm not their partner I come from a place of no judgment and just happy to listen and maybe offer some advice based on my own personal experience but man when you can open up and be vulnerable as a male which we're terrible at I'm sure you'd agree. Mm. We're terrible at opening up and talking about our emotions and how we really feel.
1: Especially Australian culture as well.
0: Definitely, definitely. But I've just found boxing, for whatever reason, I haven't even quite put my finger on exactly why, but that confidence, that masculinity, for some reason it just helps men specifically to open up and Mm. be their their true open self. I've had some of the most amazing, deep conversations in a boxing ring Mm. with clients. Um, it's it's extremely empowering and that's why I love being a boxing coach so much more than just the fighting aspect. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I love fighting and you know, hoping to fight again soon myself because it's a great challenge. But the reason I am so passionate about being a boxing coach and sharing my knowledge of boxing is so much more than just the skill and getting in the ring, it's, it's that. It's being able to hold a space for men specifically. Don't get me wrong, I work with some amazing women as well. Mm-hmm. But I've just found men connect to that sport just due to the nature of it and i've just yeah i've just witnessed it change so many men's life for the better and um yeah i'm extremely passionate about continuing my journey with the boxing world because it's it's a powerful powerful tool
1: love it and mm. on that i think that's the best way to finish um yeah well said mate and um yeah i can certainly vouch i've seen you work um in person and uh, yeah keep it up and I hope selfishly for uh, for me and and the rest of Perth people. I hope you hang around here for 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 a bit longer. Um, but yeah, looking forward to watching your journey. Um, you know, for years to come, mate.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much. Now I think Perth will be home for the foreseeable future, mate. It, um, the people, the environment, the weather, Perth culture i just love it but um i really appreciate you having me on your podcast mate it felt very comfortable sitting under this beautiful (laughs) tree here in the sun and uh
1: in king's park
0: in be the beautiful (laughs) king's park which i've spent a lot of time in since i've been here to just sit and be Um, but i hopefully i can get you on my podcast soon as well love Mm. to have a chat and hear a bit about your story
1: absolutely mate awesome legend
0: thank you man